Ethical disclaimer. While Diana and I are psychologists, we aren't your psychologists. Reverse psychology is not a replacement for therapy. If you're interested in speaking with a therapist, please check out some of the links in our episode description. Now, on with the show. Heard that bird. Did you hear that bird? Heard that bird. What kind of bird was it? Heard a woodpecker today. Oh, there's a lot of those around here. Yeah. This has been Bird Talk. Welcome. Bird talk, where we just list birds that we think we heard. <laughs> and the list birds that my mom heard. Yeah. Sparrow. Should I tell that story? I think you already did. Oh. All right. Well, podcast officially over. Well, we've come full circle. <laughs> I got nothing new to say, apparently. Yeah. Sometimes when we go on long car rides, I like to make lists of things to talk about just because... Do you? Yeah. Because we spend so much time together that... Um, Do you think it's too much time together? No. Good. That was a test. It's not like we work together or anything. No. Um, do you think we spend too much time together? No. See, I didn't even let you finish. I'm. We finish each other's questions. Meals. Sometimes. I did see something on Facebook. Someone posted it says, in my X amount of years of marriage, I've learned that she can have my fries. I can't have her fries. Was it funny? I was like, okay. Sounds like you guys have to talk a little bit better. Sounds like you guys are about to get divorced. What? Closed my laptop in my headphones. Oh, my Classic God. Diana. Hey, Chet, put that on the blooper reel. <laughs> the Chet's our imaginary Chet. audio engineer. Um, hey, this is Reverse Psychology, the podcast. Yeah. It's one of many psychology Apparently, podcasts. Apparently. Yeah, there's a the lot. But it's the best one. To some people. To us. Number one in our hearts, unlisted in your programs. <laughs> the not listed at all in any of the psychology podcast searches that i did because because we, we were not gonna br- bribe people okay why are you playing with your garage because it <laughs> helps me focus okay it draws That's the kind of humor you're gonna get draws on a, this a moderate amount of blood away from my brain <laughs> and then the blood that's left helps me focus okay. uh this is <laughs> this is a psychology hard-hitting psychology hard-hitting where we get to the truth capital t Lowercase r, capital U, <laughs> lowercase th. Um, Umlauts over all of them. I had s- assistant principal I worked with once who would say things like, I hate her with a capital H-A-T-E. A caps lock hater? Yeah, caps lock hater. Oh, I'm going to if when I really feel something, I'm going to say caps lock before it. Yeah, that's good. Man, I'm so caps lock hungry. Okay, I'm Dr. Diana. What do you do? I'm Who's a... Who's your daddy and what do you do? I'm a licensed psychologist. Okay. Comma phd in school psychology okay comma colon comma colon <laughs> comma colon comma 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 colon semi colon do you ever sing that song in english class no i have my board certification in behavior analysis okay that's cool was, was that was that test difficult b c b a did it hurt when that test hit you so hard <laughs> when that test fell from heaven when that test fell from heaven and hit you in your space pants yeah it was hard uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've talked to different people, the licensing test for psychology. I've talked to people who've done both and people tend to say that the licensing exam for psychology is harder because you just have to know more random shit. Like the BCBA yeah. exam is pretty streamlined. Like you kind of know what to expect. The questions are kind of weirdly written sometimes it's mm-hmm. hard to kind of follow them, but um, more or less, you know, the subject matter but on the EPPP, the licensing exam for psychology it felt like bar trivia you could get like some random things that you've never come across in studying some things i'm pretty sure aren't true i definitely started laughing during 
the my licensure exam. There's a couple points. There's one point where the question. Are you like, put your noise canceling headphones on hey, everyone. everyone in here. Hey, everyone. Did you get to question 13 yet? Oh, no. Everyone's taking a different test in there. I know. That's why they should wear their noise canceling headphones. Yeah. In case people laugh during a test. I laughed twice. Once was I read the question and I had no like no idea what it said. <laughs> and I just because you can like flag questions to come back to yeah. and i was like that's a flagger i hate flagging though because i don't know and let well i hate flagging i'm just gonna say it. i'm just do you hate flagging forward. or flagging more um i was flagging like hitting people yeah uh, flagging that's good you hate that more than flagging well yeah because i some people need to be flogged no it's just more personal to me mm. i don't have a association with flogging but i have okay. an association with fl- flagging yeah <laughs> flogging and flagging uh because I hate flagging because then you're like, you don't know at the time you flag it. You're not going to know when you come yeah. back around at the end. And like, then it's worse because you're like, at the end of the test, you're like, fuck, I don't know. I didn't know the first time. Why did I flag this? Yeah, I flagged a lot of them. And then I started going through and I got halfway through my flags and I was like, I haven't changed any of these. What, who am I proving? Yeah, and I yeah. just got up and walked away. I shot the computer with a gun and I got up and I walked away. <laughs> no, you didn't. The other time I started laughing was, it was, um, it was like, Pretend that you're a radical objects relations psychologist. And I started laughing because I'm like, I'm not, though. Yeah. My, my way of avoiding having to answer this is just by choosing to not be that type of psychologist. Yeah. Well, that's the weird thing. It's like they ask you about so many different types of therapy. Anything. Like, I'm not going to ever do. Like, yeah. I'm not a psychodynamic person. Like, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a dynamic attitude. person, but not. Yeah. Either. You're a real dynamo. Thanks. Who are you? I am Dr. Mike. I am a clinical psychologist, uh, subcategory adult, comma, chameleon. Do you hold any other certifications or licenses? Uh, Class D driver. (laughs) What is that? Uh, In New York, at least, that's like you just drive cars. I have... It's not C? No, that's commercial. Oh. I have a library card. Mm-hmm. licensures do i have no practice insurance are you on any rewards programs like cvs or no mm. no every time i go to Publix, i go ah, i forgot my card at home and they go i'll just use mine that's a loophole for you guys at home to never have to get a Publix card but sometimes when people earn points that works for them i'm helping them earn points okay and i whisper this is pay boring. It forward um, is it? i don't know what a great time Good. I mean, it's boring, not boring for me, but I can. Did you know that some twenty-three-year-old guy just broke the world record in the five k? What is it? Twelve fifty-one. <gasps> he broke it in route to completing a ten k. No. He's from Uganda. Joshua wow. Sheptagani. That's so fast. Yeah. Oh my god! What was the ten k time? Uh, it doesn't have it listed, but he broke the ten k record back in December. Wow. Twenty-six thirty-eight. 23 years old. 23, whole life ahead of him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm so close to being there. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. That's so fast. Like, wh- how fast are you running? Real fast. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a calculator in front of me. Okay. So, if you at home have a calculator in front of you, do the math and text us. I want to, let's find out the pace that is, and then I want to see how far I can run at that pace. It's like My that, guess is n- no distance whatsoever. That guy who did the marathon in under two hours and they had that treadmill oh that you yeah could run on. you just get like launched off of it yeah it was like a kind of like a bouncy house because people would want to do that have to yeah people would get thrown from it after like th- not even 30 seconds yeah. i want to i want to do that but right before i have a really really big meal and then two steps into it the treadmills i'm in at speed i start throwing up 
<laughs> I just think it'd be funny for me and the people around if I like, I got this oh one. Oh my God. Wait, we did a, a couple weekends ago, we did a 5K and our friend was there and afterwards we were talking to her and she goes, did you guys see that guy who shit his pants? Yeah, some dude shit his pants during and the Safety five- Harbor 5K. <laughs> That's dedication. A 5K that has a porta potty every 100 yards, basically. Like, it's funny because that race was also had like a half marathon component and like other longer runs. Yeah. But it, no, it was really the 5K that got him. I know. I, what do you think happened? <laughs> do you think he trusted a fart he shouldn't have? Or do you think that he really wanted to hit that PR bell? I think that he, I, I don't know. I mean, I can only draw conclusions based on my own life body. When you have shit your pants during <laughs> races, what has happened? I've been really, cl- not during a race, but I have been really close to shitting my pants multiple times in my life, but I've mm-hmm. always made it to a toilet or... Even as a baby? <laughs> no. Okay. Oh, there's holes in your story now. Yeah. As an adult, I don't yeah, think I've ever... Yeah, that's what I mean. As an adult. Oh, oh that reminds that's me. That's a good story. I started laughing yesterday. So we got a massage on Valentine's Day. Yeah. And we sweet. had... an an intake form to complete <laughs> we both lied on and it. we we both so one of the questions was <laughs> what do you do for like relaxing self-care we both wrote running which which is true <laughs> and then afterward like, in the waiting room and then i whispered to darren i'm like what did you what did you write for self-care and we straight no, it's exercise what do you do for like ex- uh, relaxation it said. Well, okay whatever well, like what relaxing activities do you do and you looked me in the eyes straight face <laughs> and go weightlifting and then we just stared at each other and you go, I don't know why I wrote that. I thought it sounded good. And then I said, I wrote, because you had to write down the activity and the frequency. And so I also, I wrote mindfulness hyphen daily. And I was like, that's also not true. Like, who, does, who are these people we want to be? Yeah. Why do we want to impress these massage therapists so much? But then the funniest part was I asked you afterwards because one of the questions was, how many ounces of water do you drink in a day? And I, I I know based on like the giant water bottle I carry with me. And so I filled that out. And then I asked you what you wrote. And you go, five to six? <laughs> I go, ounces? You go, no, it said glasses. I'm like, no, it said ounces. So they were probably like very gentle with you. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, this lady is dangerously dehydrated. <laughs> oh, that uh, was funny. I had a great massage though. I did too. Yeah. Great massage. Yeah. She definitely, um, she was the sweetest with my back bump. <laughs> She tapped it and she go, She kept saying my name to start every sentence. Aww. And she was like, Michael, okay, we're going to start now. Michael, can you smell the lemongrass? <laughs> you uh, picked lemongrass? I just picked lemongrass. Oh, I like lemongrass. Smelled great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she placed her finger on the bump and goes, all right, Michael, now I'm noticing that there's a bit of a bump on your back. Uh, how do you want me to handle she the did? bump? Mm-hmm. How do you want me to handle it? What, do you, what, is, what, are, you, what are the options? I... Part of me really wanted to pretend I didn't know what she was talking about, <laughs> but I, she was being really sweet, so I didn't want to put her through that. I'm like, I'm like, just pretend it's not there. It doesn't hurt. You just go for it. A part of me wanted to be like, oh, I thought that was a knot. Can you just work that out? <laughs> what do you want me to do with that? I want you to push as hard want, as you can on it. Do you, <laughs> do you have a Bible? I want you to smash it with a Bible. Uh, do you have a needle in a little cup? Can you just dr- drain it for me? I think with those, you have to actually do a surgery. You can't drain those. Mm, She did her best. Because it's fat. It's lipoma. I know. I'm trying to burn it off. I'm glad she asked you about it. Because I feel like people who don't are just avoiding the issue. You know who didn't ask me about it? Who? That really uh, overweight Chinese man. Oh, he was like... He he didn't give a shit. He doesn't care. He didn't care for her. 
He, no, he, he wanted didn't. it to hurt. Yeah. He pointed it and he goes, hurt more? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> All right. Me. What are our what are our review situation? We have As a you're new review. Pulling that up. Where's uh, my phone? I don't know. Start vamping. I'm gonna go get my phone. It's vaping? Every week you say vaping. Vamping. I did not say it every week. Every week, because <laughs> I this is the first time I've ever heard that term. Right. I also have amnesia. Do you not listen back to the podcast? I do. I don't know what vamping means. Uh, I think it means talking. So I'm just going to talk. Oh, I know what I was going to say about stickers. We started sending out some stickers finally. By we, I mean I. No, we did it together. Um, we stuffed those envelopes. By we, I mean I got out the envelopes. I got out the cards. I got out the pens. And I got out the cards. I made Mike. I Who hand over hand. Who you got did. the stickers? You did. Who, who licked the envelopes lovingly? I don't know what happened. If you get your stickers and they're all wet, it's because Mike ver- voraciously licked your You envelope. know I have a juicy tongue. Ew. Don't say that. Don't, don't tongue shame me. <laughs> yeah, we have. We sent out some stickers, but and then we got a... You, you go. Okay. You, you go. Well... Your turn. I took it to... I took it to the post office, oh, and I'm glad I did because we sent them in regular business envelopes. Because we're a business, man. And... The guy goes, "What are the? What is this in here?" And I said, "Stickers." A bomb. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't say that. Not funny. I said stickers, and he goes, "Well, this is lopsided. This envelope is lopsided. It can't go through the machine sorter. Can't go through the machine sorter." And I said, "Okay." Oops. And he goes, "You have to write hand sort on here." He had some special way to write it because he said that if it does go through the machine, it's going to the machine is going to rip it open. And then rip open like the Stickers. twenty or four twenty or forty letters behind it. Oh. It gets real messy in the That's a good way to just vandalize the post office. Oh. Which we're not going to. But if we were going to, that's what I would do. Yeah. But then last we woke up this morning, or maybe we got home last night. Either way, we had a we had an explosion in our inbox. Yeah, we're we're gonna get we're gonna get sticker poor. Good. Yeah. Well, and we by saying that I don't mean that's a bad thing. No, it's good. <laughs> We're taking a vow of sticker poverty. We're going to help us out with it. We're going to have to talk to our financial coach about that. Yeah. We hired a financial coach for our sticker budget. But yeah, so a lot of people have been asking for it. They're, they're on their way out. Uh, all we ask in return is that you post some pictures of places you vandalize with our stickers. We want to try to get them all over the country or the world. AK, which is not Arkansas. It's I'll ask you. What's Arkansas? AR. 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 How are you? Which is also a gun. A R U. Yeah. All right. So we do have a new review though. Last night or yesterday from across the room, Mike goes, Oh my God, guess how many ratings we have. And how I was many? like, I don't know, 70 something. And he goes, 69. Yep. And then we high five for 45 straight minutes. <laughs> do you want to read this review? No. You I can want read, you to it. read it. You're good at it. All right. This is titled A Review, which is good because I didn't. Who I don't, is it? By High and Spirit. H-I? H-I-G-H-I-N. Oh. Hyen. Hyen's rear it. <laughs> I just want to say that this podcast is very entertaining. 10 out of 10. Or in this case, 5 over 5. Got it. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Mike and Diana, for making my commute to work a little less painful. They ride in a horse and buggy. <laughs> I find myself learning things even when I don't want to. Wish it was like that when I was in college. Well, you should have taken college with us. 
college. <laughs> we're opening a college. We're opening a college. <laughs> if Trump can do it, we can do it too. That's right. We're, it's for it's totally for profit. For profit. Thank you, High and Spirit. That's awesome. That Thank you good. so much. I'm glad you learned something. I love all these people who write reviews. It 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 does. It makes my day. It mm-hmm. makes my sometimes your millennium two days. Sometimes it makes my two days. Yeah. Sometimes if I'm having a down day, I do pull up the reviews. I'm like, people like us. Aww. <laughs> If people IRL kind of don't like me, I just look up. Look it's not up. true. People IRL love you. Mm-hmm. Well, not everyone. I, I will walk you around my day and point out people that don't like me. <laughs> if you've ever That's heard fun. me speak, you can probably assume that some people don't like me. <laughs> well, I mean, we're... I'm cilantro, that guy said. Well, we are real... We're, we have big personalities. I'm an Aries. We have big personalities. We do. And that means that some people don't like us. Yeah. But the people who and do like... problem. The people who do like us really like us. Uh-huh. The people who don't like us really, really, don't, really, really, really don't, don't like us. <laughs> and they love Sometimes telling... Sometimes make it known. They t- love telling us it. They love telling other people in our lives about it. Well... I feel true? like I do have that effect on people where if they don't like me, they need everyone to know they don't like me. <laughs> I feel like I unintentionally... Because they want to bring people to their side. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No. Because well, I think that people get mad that you make people laugh. Yes, they do. And then they're like, oh, fucking Mike. Fuck that guy. The worst. Yeah. I feel like I unintentionally gaslight people because some people hate me. And then they're like, how do other people seem to like you? And so they just have to like reality test. It, it's just so... Also just give it and like me. It's just so funny to me because I like your personality so much. That's a relief. That, <laughs> but I can see why, like I can see why it would rub people the wrong way. Yeah. And it, it just kind of makes me laugh that like how because of how big your personality is, how much mm-hmm. people have to deal with it if they don't like it. Yeah. Especially if you work around them. Yeah. I know. It's such a bummer <laughs> for them. have to put up with it sometimes. I know. So anyways. Anyways. That was our one new review. We got some like really sweet emails and yeah, we had messages. a great email. Um, we need to get back to the, some of those people. So. A lot of California people. Yeah. 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 We're taking that coast. Going, to, going there again in March. Yeah. So maybe... If you're in California, request some stickers. That way, when Dr. Diane is over there, she'll see them all over the place in ladies' bathrooms and on billboards and stuff. On billboards? Yeah. Is there going to be a billboard for the Big Bang Theory? And then the little corner, there's a reverse psychology sticker. Cool. What's, cool. what's up? Speaking of big what's personalities, up? time for the topic. Oh, I get it. Ah, you get it? Yeah. What's the topic for today? It's your mom. What? I don't know. What is it? You said to stop inviting people on the podcast. And so I told her she can't come. Well, we do have um, someone coming next week. I mm. think they're penciled in. Mm. What do we it's have to do friend, to pen them in? Dr. Amanda. <gasps> what is the topic? The topic Talk today is returning to the topic a few weeks ago on borderline personality disorder. Okay. I want to give uh, an, uh, an overview of how we treat borderline personality disorder mm-hmm. using dialectical behavior therapy oh that marshall in hand in marshall dbt so dbt is a very vast very deep treatment there's a lot of elements to it a lot of moving parts wait didn't we talk do we did we talk about it in terms of the type of like the third wave therapies do we talk about that as an umbrella do you want to say something about it? Well, it's on my list of things to say. Well, I don't know what your notes say. Yeah, because you supposedly say, don't show me your notes. <laughs> I don't say that. So you used to about a year ago when we started this. You said, I don't want to know anything. Well, sometimes I know things because I have a brain. And no, I you, put... know, you know most things. So just a quick revisit of the Borderline Persona Disorder episode. But mm-hmm. if you want to re-listen to it. And then come back. And then come back to it. Do that. This is the best place to pause. 
Now that you're back, I just want to review and make sure that what I said before is accurate. People who benefit from dialectical behavior therapy, it was developed for people with borderline personality disorder who the hallmark of that whole constellation of issues is difficulty with distress tolerance and that due to the intensity that they feel emotions uh, and often they feel their emotional pain is actual bodily pain which commonly leads to feelings of suicide because life feels very uh, unlivable and painful another hallmark of people with borderline personality disorder is chronic suicidality which as you can imagine leads to interpersonal conflicts uh and difficulties. Well, that's not the only thing that leads to interpersonal conflict yes but that's also a hallmark of it i'm trying to have a very fluid way to go through these well, issues. Well, I like when you say, and I, you know, I don't, I didn't study personality disorders. I mm. mean, I knew what that they existed, but I didn't know much about them. So you've educated me a lot on them. Yeah. You make me sit down and you lecture to me. Yeah. Every night. Yeah, I still use a blackboard. And um. But if you're good, I let you clap the the erasers. Mm-hmm. Inside. <laughs> Inside. Mm-hmm. And erase the board. Chalk along. You uh, always framed it as. A BP, you've always framed BPD as um, a... Emotion co- regulation disorder. Yes, and... A coping disorder. Coping disorder. Yes. So it's a coping disorder. A lot of the therapy approaches it like that. On d- different ways to approach the problem and different ways to cope to achieve a better life. There is a, a full version of DBT. In reality, if you're doing DBT, you have to be doing all of these pieces of it. So a part of it is group therapy. In group therapy, it's all skills-based. There are five... With, with other people with borderline yep. personality disorder. Yeah. So there, it's usually two co-facilitators and then like six people, five people in the group. The co-facilitators are also the individual therapists of the people in the group. And the point... So there's five co-facilitators? There's two co-facilitators and then there's five oh, patients. Oh, I thought you meant that each... Each patient has their own therapist that also comes to the group. They're sharing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I got it. Okay. So sometimes in the professional world, therapists have more than one patient. (laughs) This is one of those therapies that's assuming that (laughs) you have another patient. But isn't it hard to find sometimes enough people to do groups? Because you are you really... I mean, in a big city, it might be a bit different. But Mm -hmm. like, I can imagine that there's not... I mean, the base rate is pretty low. For BPD, right? It's like 1% of the population. Mm-hmm. Yes. And kind of when we talk about why this is a really important therapy, it's also really effective for things like really chronic anxiety, PTSD, uh, drug and alcohol abuse. And so not everyone in the group necessarily will have borderline oh. personality disorder. Do you go around and say, what disorder do you have? No. So actually, interestingly, the group mostly discourages self-disclosure in that way. Mm-hmm. And so it's a lot more about learning and applying skills. Mm-hmm. Because because there's so much going uh, on with D, uh, with the DBT, but also on top of that, because the whole goal is like relearning your whole like behavioral yeah. style, and so y- you can't get it all done in individual therapy. So the group therapy is a lot like classes where you're really working through this stuff. Plus, if you were to come right out and be like, "Here's my diagnosis," and like maybe what some people might consider oversharing, mm-hmm. that's like a hallmark too of someone with. Right. BPD. So they're like helping you learn new th- ways of of sharing. Of of sharing and yeah, being with other people. Yeah. So the schedule of group therapy? Before we get too far into this, do you want to I mean, I feel like I asked you this up front, but should we talk about the where DBT falls in the range of therapies? Sure. It's a third wave <laughs> therapy. Uh-huh. Uh it is a modification of cognitive behavioral therapy. 
Okay. And so it's, it's, uh, but isn't, okay. So CBT is the second wave. Yes. So what's first wave? Uh, cognitive or behavioral. I think, I don't know. I think first wave might be behavioral. I think second wave. Is, I, I've gone back and forth. So some people how, say, yeah, who you're talking to Bre- totally. So some people say first wave is like psychoanalytic and some people say first wave is, um, behavioral. What are the three waves of therapy? So I think it, yeah, it's a framework thing because, um, it, it depends on where you're coming from because the second wave combined the two ways, right? So second wave is cognitive behavioral. So this says the first wave is behavioral therapy. Yeah, I've seen it different ways. And then the uh, second wave is cognitive behavioral. So it's incorporating cognitive right. therapy. Right. Then the third wave is incorporating the context, the function, yes. and like mindfulness elements. So that's right how it differs. It's an outgrowth of CBT, but people mm-hmm. have like thrown in different things and tried to modify it, add to it, refine it, make it better, blah, blah, blah. Right. So, uh, yeah, so I just wanted to frame it. And so also within DBT or also in third wave, you have like acceptance and commitment therapy Mm -hmm. act. You have rational emotive therapy. Yeah. Rational emotive therapy. You have mindfulness based stress reduction. Mm -hmm, That, um, a whole bunch of other ones that are basically derivatives of those elements. Right. But the commonalities are the context and uh, the function of what you're doing and why you're coping as well as elements of mindfulness. If you're in therapy, a fun activity for you, for, for you from us would be to ask your therapist if you haven't before what their orientation is. Mm, But be clear. You're talking about their therapy orientation. (laughs) But I think, you know, if you're in DBT therapy, you typically know I'm in DBT therapy. You should be told you're in DBT therapy. Yeah, because like, it's very unique. It's very involved. Uh-huh. So anyways. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, sorry. Go so back to the group. group. This is the schedule just to show how long and involved it is. It's usually a weekly two-hour group. Mm-hmm. Six weeks of emotion or regulation. Mm-hmm. Then followed by two weeks of mindfulness. Six more weeks of distress tolerance. This is once a week? Once a week. With your group? With your group. Okay. Six weeks of distress tolerance followed by another two weeks of mindfulness. Then another uh, six weeks of interpersonal effectiveness followed Holy by shit. two weeks of mindfulness. How many weeks is that in total? It was six, 12, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 24 weeks. And, and half a year. It's half a year. And there's no, like you can, you can go through it multiple times, but the, the goal is to keep the same group together. What's a dropout rate? Um, I actually don't have that number in front of me, but it, it's a commitment. But there's a lot of other elements that actually keep people engaged way more in the therapy because it, it's a it's a it's a program. It's not even just like a therapy. How program. long is the group? Like, like a, usually an hour and a half to two hours. With that, your the expectation is you're doing weekly therapy with your therapist. Your therapist is also in the group. The point of therapy is to get the individualized treatment and also to to apply the skills. So the idea is you go to this group, you learn this specific skill, you practice it. And then when you see your therapist, you talk about how to make that skill work for you as mm-hmm. well as doing more personalized like trauma work. Because the, the the thing is like they don't want you getting too personalized in the group. It's, it's a much more controlled group. I like this a lot. I really wish that some of like the therapy that I do involved this. Mm-hmm. There's two other important crucial elements. And this is actually what sets, us, sets DBT apart from everything else. Okay. Coaching calls. So in between appointment calls where the therapist is helping you to get your your goals done or get your 
your things done. Uh, this is actually what scares off a lot of clinicians of like, oh, like it's 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 a it's lot. A lot. Of- it's time intensive. But what I actually find is that doing scheduled coaching calls with the objective of over time reducing that that frequency, mm-hmm. it actually reduces crises and reduces crisis calls from your client. Mm. Because it's just like if you are someone who's like chronically struggling, chronically suicidal, and you know like I see my therapist on Wednesday, I'm going to talk to them on Friday, mm-hmm. it, it, they find that it's easier to hold on until that that call. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then the last and the most important part of the therapy is a group for all the therapists. So. You, you're, if you're doing DBT, uh, your therapist is supposed to be in a group where they are processing and trying to prevent burnout, making sure that they're actually taking care of themselves. That's once a week? That, that's usually a once a week group. Hmm. So that's why usually when you see people doing DBT, it's a group that are people doing DBT. It's like a, a clinic that does DBT because it is very time intensive. Okay. So that's the structure. Mm-hmm. What's the content? So the content. Wait, did you talk? Did you not want to talk about the creator? That's actually the next one on my list. So Marshall Linehan is the creator of DBT. I just want to kind of give a couple of highlights on her backstory because it's, it's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. So she What was, about her front story? Her front story, we're going to get to that later. Her backstory, she was... Start with the backstory. She was born in Tulsa, <laughs> Oklahoma. Already a struggle. Uh, she was <laughs> diagnosed from an early age with schizophrenia at the Institute of Living in Hartford, Connecticut. And then mm. she was there in treatment until she was 18. Uh, she was from 12 to 18 is that what you said uh, i don't know it, it, i couldn't find when she exactly went in mm. but she was chron- like like uh almost consistently hospitalized mm. uh she was uh, subjected to electroconvulsive therapy mm. uh, uh, which is like shock what therapy year was this because i feel like that was done a long time mm, ago the 50s oh so she ect is 70? still done she's older now she she developed well she graduated from college it, oh, she graduated from grad school in 71. Okay. She was on heavy, heavy psych drugs, chronically suicidal, chronically self-injuring. The doctors, like in hindsight, have said like she was one of the most difficult patients they've ever had. At age 18, she left, hmm. went to college. She went to Loyola University in Chicago. I applied for a job there. Did you? Did you get it? No. 67, she was praying in a Catholic church in Chicago. And the quote from her says, One night I was kneeling there, looking up at the cross, and the whole place became gold. All of a sudden, I felt something come towards me. It was this shimmering experience. And I just ran back to my room and said, I love myself. It was the first time I remember talking to myself in the first person. I felt transformed. And at that point, she became very into things like mindfulness and meditation. Uh, at the time, she was a, a psych undergraduate student. I mean, but that... That's indicative of a mental health issue. But, I mean, it, it pushed her in the right direction because yeah, no, she started to, it to do research. I'm not saying it wouldn't. I just mean like, yeah. Right. So then at this, she points back to this time being where she started to really look back and say like, what could the doctors have done? Because mm. clearly I wasn't taken care of. This was a big experience where she felt this change towards this self-love, self-acceptance. And she was like, how, how could I have gotten there faster? Oh, okay. what, what could I have done to get there? Hmm. She gets her BS from Loyola, stays there to get her, her PhD in social and experimental psychology. I wonder how she was navigating doing all that like really difficult schooling while she was also struggling. Was she medicated or was she in therapy herself? Uh, uh, probably both. She, she did have a, um, like a consistent like mindful Buddhist mentor. Hmm. So I, I think a lot of that was like really consistent, like mindful meditation and like a lot of support, I would imagine. But she went from like being hospitalized so like to college to PhD program. Yeah. Just pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah. She 
if you ever like meet her or see her speak like she's intense like she's you can can imagine she comes off as someone like if she gets an idea to do something Mm. she's gonna fucking do it yeah yeah i get that so then she she does a postdoc in buffalo new york at the suicide prevention and crisis service 1971 to 72 Mm. buffalo new york being a place of high suicide because it's so cold and snowy and dark all the time yeah Um, but yeah there is actually a lot of like crisis and suicide research coming out of buffalo so this is where she starts to like learn and play around with um, like treatments for chronically suicidal people who are Mm. often people with borderline personality disorder and then in the late 1980s she starts to develop uh, dbt as a modification of cognitive behavioral therapy while she was uh, a professor at the university of washington what did she call it the treatment yeah cognitive behavioral therapy for borderline personality disorder that's a mouthful because she tried to call it dialectical behavior therapy because she saw the treatment as navigating these dialectical struggles Mm -hmm. like between like willingness and unwillingness and all these there's a whole series of them Uh, but when she proposed the book as that no one would publish it because it was too new of an idea and it didn't map onto what was there before Hmm. and so she had to call it cognitive behavioral therapy for borderline personality disorder and then it got picked up because cognitive behavioral therapy was already an accepted therapy Yeah. yeah 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 From a DBT standpoint, so a couple ways it's different than cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah, I was going to say, how is it different? So, it's a a third wave treatment. So, one of the main features that's different, it incorporates mindfulness, which usual cognitive behavioral therapy doesn't have. Right. But at the same time, it looks much more at the context and how we're using the skills that are taught. Well, I just want to say, too, I mean, I think one of the big differences between cognitive CBT, if you will, and third wave is that in CBT, you're targeting thoughts that have been classified as wrong Wrong. or maladaptive and wrong, Mm -hmm. like incorrect. Yeah. And third wave folks deal with thoughts as things that are there. Unhelpful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's that big shift where it sees it as like, what's that thought doing for you? Right. Like you can't control, like, like there's a whole element of control with CBT. Mm-hmm. Like you need to control your thoughts and you need to stop feeling that way. Right. And like thought stopping exercises are big. So actually really interesting. Cognitive behavioral therapy, it often will make borderline personality disorder worse, mm. which is why I could see that, which is why it was seen as like an untreatable disorder. DBT sees one of the primary causes of the problem as an invalidating environment. Mm. Feeling one way and being told you feel different or told to just to stop doing that. Oh, I see. Which so is that's a problem in CBT. Right. Because they tell you, don't feel that way. You're not supposed to. This right. is wrong. So it's really colluding with the problem. Right. So DBT tries to, to foster a climate of unconditional acceptance and alliance with the therapist. And so a big piece of it is accepting your current state, also accepting you have to change it. But also validating what needs to be validated and challenging when you have to. Hmm. So that's a big thing where validation is key, but you don't want to validate everything. Yeah. So often you want to validate you want to validate the the experience. Mm-hmm. So like if you came in and you were my client and you're like, I felt so angry and so hurt that I had to smash his car with a brick. I'd be like, yeah, it's you were really really angry. Like I'm gonna validate how you're feeling, mm-hmm. but I'm not gonna be like, yeah, it makes total sense. I'm glad that you did that. I'm glad yeah. you smashed the car. Yeah. Like. You want so to- let's, could you want to role play? Sure. Okay. I was really mad. <clears throat> I was really mad at my husband and I, um, I was like really, really angry. And so I took a cat, took a piece of cat poop and I put it on his door, on his car door. 
Sounds like a specific example. <laughs> yeah. It's, and I would imagine if that happened to me, I would also feel really, really angry. It sounds like you felt in that moment that the, your anger was uncontrollable. Yeah, it was. I had to put cat poop on his door. Yeah. And so what, what, what's that link between that feeling and, and the action? What, what was the hope of what was going to come out of that? That he would know how angry I was. Okay. And did it work? Um, I don't know. I don't know if he knew it was me. <laughs> okay. So it sounds like... Well, your feelings right, but the uh, the execution needs a lot of work. So, yeah, let's, so yeah. let's let's back and let's brainstorm. How else could we have used that anger? Mm. And then then we go on a different direction. Cool. Yeah, that felt good. Do you feel better? Yeah, I felt validated. Good. So next time, don't put cat shit on my car. Well, so I just know someone who did that. So I I know you do. <laughs> so another really unique element to, to DBT that I I absolutely love is there are these uh, assumptions slash rules of DBT. There's rules for the client and rules for the therapist. People with BPD probably like rules. They, they do. So I just want to kind of run run through them. Yep. And if you have any comments, let me know. So the assumptions, people are doing the best that they can. So you, you, if you're going to do the therapy, you have to come in with this assumption. Like the therapist? If you're doing DBT, you have to assume this about the client. Okay. Okay. They're, they're doing the best they can. They want to improve. They have to learn new behaviors both in the therapy room as well as in their lives. Mm-hmm. They can't fail at therapy. Hmm. That's so. This it's interesting because this is a different approach yeah. from a therapist standpoint. Yeah. Because there are a lot of therapists who will say like, "Yeah, this person just isn't ready for therapy, yeah. or they need to." They fail therapy. Yeah. Or, right. I I fired them. Right. That, that is something that I lose. And going back to when uh, people don't like me, like that is something that's like a soapbox. I definitely jump on a lot when people are like, I fired so-and-so from therapy. They just like weren't working hard enough. It's like, hmm. you sound like a fucking terrible therapist. Like, well, and yes. And I can imagine like referring someone to a different therapist. If you feel like you're not in the kind of helping position that you thought you could be with this client or. Right. That's very different. That, right. And it's not that, I mean, a lot of times like, it's just, it's not a good match or you've reached the limits of your expertise yeah, or... And, and that's fine. Yeah. But right, don't, right. but don't, don't put it on the client. Right. A lot of people do that. Yes. Yeah. Um, number five, people may have not caused all of their problems, but it's up to them to solve the problems anyways. Yeah. Love that. Uh, people need to do better. They need to try harder and they need to be more motivated to change. Okay. So that's always like, no matter how hard we're doing, we always just need to be pushing harder. We need to be doing more. Okay. Uh, people... The lives of people who are suicidal are unbearable as they're currently mm. being lived. Yeah. There's also some assumptions about uh, the clinician. Uh, the most caring thing a therapist can do is to help people change in the ways that bring them closer to their goals. So like mm, if you want to... That's very act aligned. I love it. Yeah. It's like if you want to do something caring, you need to help them change. Yeah. Uh, clarity, precision, and compassion are of the utmost importance. So being really clear in what you're doing, why you're doing it, being mm. really precise, and also just like showing that you care. Uh, the treatment relationship is a real relationship between two people. Yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting that that has to be said. <laughs> I know, but well, from this standpoint, you're on the, the same plane. You are equals. A cognitive behavioral st- standpoint, I am the clinician, you are the client. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm giving you therapy versus us like collaborating, working together. So, are you? Do you self disclose as a therapist in DBT? Like, are you? Do you tell them like mm-hmm. I? That's a huge part of DBT. Yeah. yeah. Real strategic self disclosure. Right. Yeah. Okay. The principles of behavior are, are universal and they affect both the client and clinician. Okay. Treatment providers need support. Mm-hmm. And the last one, treatment providers can fail at therapy. Hmm. So if the therapy doesn't work, it's the fault of the provider, oh. not the client. Very different. 
Wow. That's a lot of pressure. It is a lot, it is a lot of pressure. A couple more things. What, well, what do you actually even do in, in DBT? There are uh, four phases of DBT. Mm-hmm. Two to three of which are actually in therapy. The other ones are kind of like more aspirational. Like you're going to keep doing this after therapy. Or like done. there's a lot of homework, right? There's a ton of homework. Yeah. You don't, you're not off the hook when you leave. Yeah. And it's, there's a lot of worksheets. I, I like it. There's these things called the diary cards. Yeah. And so it's a very structured like checklist of skills by day of the week with the idea being whatever skills we're working through, you need to be practicing them. And then in therapy, it's a lot about how can we make it work better? Or if there's a problem, we do like a chain analysis, which is what happened, then what happened, then what happened and looking at how do we do it differently next time? Mm. How do we make these skills work to get you where you want to go? Is it like highly manualized? Yes and no. So there's these four phases of DBT, but it's it's not in, in order. It's not like once you're done with one, you go to two and you go to three. It's you always need to be mindful of what, what mode of therapy are you in right now. Mm-hmm. And so it's much more of like a flow of like, all right, if you're coming in and you're suicidal, we're going to stage one again. And, and stage one has a lot of interventions to do. If you're doing good and you're like, all right, I'm feeling pretty good right now. Then we're going to, we might do stage two, which is, well, I'll go through the stages. Okay. Stage one is to get your behaviors under control, reduced, reduce suicidal behaviors. Essentially, like if you're it's a, a crisis, ho- you say this crisis mode, it's crisis mode. It's if you're a house, it's let's put out your house fire. Ugh, I hate when you call me a house. You're a beautiful house though. Thanks. <laughs> so this is very skills focused and it targets treatment interfering behaviors okay. which which i love that term because it's basically saying that if you're coming in and you're feeling suicidal that's getting in the way of us doing therapy so mm-hmm. we, we need to take care of it mm-hmm. or if you if you come in late that's a treatment interfering behavior so our appointment is all about how do we get you to come on time next time or if you don't do your homework or if you if you like called me 20 times in the last week it's like that's our focus because that's going to get in the way of us doing good work together. Okay. So you're establishing some rules. You're establishing rules and you're basically trying to like take a, teach them how to be in therapy. Yes. Yes. And so that's that phase one. Phase two is to build a good foundation. So your fire's out. This is really working on reducing tr- any trauma symptoms. So if I'm a house. If you're a house, we're, we're working on your foundation now. Okay. So this is where... We're gonna we're gonna turn up the heat on therapy and start going backwards a little bit into past difficulties, past mm. traumas. Because mm-hmm. either like like a capital T trauma or like a lowercase T trauma. Like what does that mean? Like trauma could be like if you had any abuse in your history or like is that a capital? That'd be like capital T, like a traumatic event, okay. or it could just be like I was. I feel like I was teased a lot and I was isolated as a kid. That's that's traumatic. Right. Let's go back and really process that and really kind of place that in context of your life story. Mm-hmm. And so that and with there, there's a whole bunch of different skills. The third phase is you building self trust in uh, living your life. So this is more future focus. This is all right. Let's like let's let's decorate. Let's make plans. Do let's you call re- this the Oprah phase? Yes. Live your best life. Live your best life. Look under your chair. There's something cool <laughs> under there. I gave you a car, but you have to pay the taxes. Yeah. And then the fourth phase is deeper meaning through spiritual existence. So mm. there's there's actually not a lot of research on this. And it's much more about this idea of how do we cultivate a future-focused mindset where once therapy is done, you're still like, you're working it, you're growing, you're moving, you're more self-driven now. Okay. So if you're a um, therapist out there... Um, how do you get training in DBT? Because I imagine there's not a lot of programs that focus on this. No, 
so there are the the place to get it is um marsha has a like a, a company that basically will travel the country doing these very intensive programs mm-hmm. and then from there there's like you do it it's like a week-long thing and then you you take tapes you do all these counseling things and then you report back in six months and maybe do another training on top mm-hmm. of it so to get like to get up to speed but like it's very like strict to, to get into it mm-hmm. one thing is you you as an individual can't take the training like you have to go with a team that is all like on contract saying like we're going to do weekly oh, meetings with each other we're going to do this like because they don't want people doing piecemeal yeah we're well, just going to do the skills group or we're just going to do individual dbt which is which is hard because the skills are very important there's actually a lot of research showing that just skills group actually will reduce problems mm-hmm. or uh, just doing skills in individual therapy is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're very much like an all or nothing thing, which is ironic because she has a borderline personality disorder mm. and has an all, all or nothing mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. She seems to want, and I get, it, I mean, but she seems to want to have a lot of control over how this is disseminated and yes, how it's yes, practiced. It's very, very controlled, which is not the same as like some of the other third wave mm-hmm. therapies. Yeah, the mindset's very different. If you if someone says the, that uh, they do DBT, it's mm-hmm. more of like a I do DBT. Like they're like intense. Yeah. yeah. If you meet someone that does act, they're like, yeah, hey, I'm a, I'm an act person. Like it's yeah. a very like kind of upbeat and bubbly yeah. type thing. Yeah. Yeah, I like both of them, but they're they're both very different mindsets. Cool. Um, so yeah. So, so that's that's in a nutshell. That's DBT. Yeah, it's a lot to fit into this tight time slot that we have i know i would like to at some point to go back because even like those individual modules are, are just like deep wells of like skills and information and theory and stuff and so i think we, we, we could come back to dbt over and over again and still find new stuff to talk about with it i'm glad that we're talking about some of this stuff because going deeper into some of these types of therapy it's probably really good because a lot of people when they go to therapy they're like i just i'll look up a therapist and go and then not Mm -hmm. really have any background or understanding of like what they might be getting what they might be into yeah and i think that's it makes sense and it's unfortunate because i think one goal for this podcast i think it would be it would be really cool for people to know like oh doing like doing dbt sounds interesting it sounds like it'd be helpful for me or like doing act or doing kind of behavioral therapy and then being able to then like track backwards and be like all right who knows how to do this oh i know what i was gonna say how do you look up a dbt provider because you know like there's certain like like if you go to contextual and behavioral science and you look for you can look for an yeah act therapist. i don't know if they have the same thing for dbt they probably do okay. I, I would need to look i can post it online i would be wary of like psych today seeing if people do dbt yeah they just like self yeah I've, I've met so many people who yeah. They do it because they read the book, but they've like never been trained. They're not in a group for it. Usually, like a practice would be doing DBT, and so sure, like, or like a hospital outpatient setting. Yeah, so like hospitals might have it. Um, yeah, so that that would be if you if this is a therapy. If you're like, yeah, I'm struggling, or some of my family's struggling, this sounds like a good fit for them. Mm. Trying to find like an actual clinic that does DBT, just because that would that's the way to make sure that you're getting the full DBT, individual therapy, coaching calls, group therapy. Those types of things. Not to say on the outpatient doesn't work, because I've definitely done DBT, ver- like a DBT informed therapy on my own, but it, it it is much more effective in the full version. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So, Thank you. That was great. Thank you. You're great. What's coming? What's your life looking like? I ran a lot this weekend. You ran more than I did. I know. And um, I feel like all we do is talk about running, but we run next weekend that we're doing mm-hmm. a racing run. Yeah. And uh, you're, Mike, do, you're doing a Star Wars watch through? 
Oh my gosh, I am. So I really haven't seen any of the Star Wars movies. I mean, I think I've seen clips here and there. I know who Han Solo is. Who doesn't? I mean, I've seen pictures. Heartthrob. You know what I did learn, though? Last night, we started watching A New Hope. McGunky? No. We watched New Hope episode four. Yep. Which is very confusing because that was the first one ever made. Which sounds like it should be not the first one because it's yeah called episode four yeah there was at that time too there's no explanation of like <laughs> oh there's a story before this we're jumping in the middle of the story it's it's yeah so that one was made in 1977 is that what we said yeah um and what's his name luke skywalker he's a whiny baby he is a very whiny he baby a whiny baby i was gonna go to the taji station and get power converters <laughs> But you know what I did learn last night? What the Millennial Falcon was. Because I'd heard that before and I didn't know what it was. The Millennium Falcon? <laughs> no, it's what millennials are into. Yeah. Millennium Falcon. Okay. Falcon? Falcon. Falcon. Falcon Gladwell. Yeah. Um, And I learned that James Earl Jones was Darth Vader. Yeah. How long is he Darth Vader? All three of them. And then Darth... Well, I, I don't want to spoil it for myself. Yeah. He's not in the costume, though. He's just voicing it. Well, I, okay. I just didn't want you to think that when they he take... He was the, wearing it around. Yeah. Like, they, they're they going to take the mask off, and it's actually James Earl Jones. Oh, who is it? You got to wait and find out. The answer may surprise you. Macaulay Culkin? Yep. And he goes, oh! <laughs> yep. <laughs> Looks was, in the mirror with aftershave he on. He was in the Death Star, Home Alone. Um, what else did you learn? I don't know. I'll just stop. I'm doing it because I want to listen to that podcast. With Lauren Lapkus? Yeah, because she's watching it for the first time. When are we going to be friends with her? Probably never. If you guys know Lauren Lapkus, have her listen to our podcast and we could be friends. I'm going to have a hard time peeing in this. I really have to go pee. Okay. It's a onesie. Okay. Do you need help? No. Do you want me to like build a straw-based apparatus? No. Okay. Do you want to just stop this so you can go pee and then we'll come back next week and find out how the pee went? Yeah. Okay. Well, then I love you. Love you too. Love you too. Bye. Bye. I'm glad that. Jesus. That, sorry. Dogs got startled. I know. They're like, usually we're the barkers.